welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. Each episode will have a different theme, and we'll talk about things that help to bring that theme to real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the heart or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. A couple weeks ago, I was having a text exchange with a friend of mine, and she's somebody that I've I've very lightly kept in touch with over the past year, and she had a baby this year, and I definitely know how all-consuming that postpartum time period can be, and she started out the dialogue, the text dialogue, with an apology for not calling me saying that she's become essentially unplugged and anything related to the phone she feels really resistant to. And without thinking about it very much, I wrote her back immediately and asked her to please not apologize. And I told her that I'm finding myself in a very catch-and-release time of my life and that if it makes sense and worked out for us to stay in touch, then we would, And if it didn't make sense to do that, then I was still sending much love her way. And then I pressed send. And then I stopped to really digest what I had written and how true it felt. And I've been feeling this way for a while, this catch and release time of my life. But the words that I texted her sort of caught me by surprise Because, Lord have mercy, this has not always been true. Not at all. And what a gift it was to stop and realize this catch and release time that I'm in and how much it helps. And I think it helps enough to really carve out this idea into a whole episode of things that will help and to think about it as a significant lens that we can choose to look through. And one for me that I didn't realize until recently, really until that text exchange that had taken such a hold on me because I have always been somebody to fall in love really easily. I used to fall in love with men very easily. And after a few dates, I would be willing to go all the way to the moon with them and, and many times, unfortunately, abandon myself entirely for that adventure And as you probably can imagine, this led to heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak for me. And now that I'm married to my beloved and feel committed to him entirely, it has not stopped me from falling in love very deeply with friends who encircle my life in really special and and really different ways. But something has significantly changed over the last couple of years, and I'm not sure how many years exactly, maybe three or so. And what's changed is my attachment to the outcome or to the label or to the return of that love in a specific way. And that catch and release has given me so much freedom in relationship, freedom that's kind of difficult for me to pin down and talk to you about, but I'm going to try So I want to be clear about one thing. My tendency to fall in love has not stopped. Me getting excited about deep 
and lasting friendships has not stopped. And me hurling myself into projects and into collaborations and and partnerships, artistic partnerships and inspiring content, things that I get really excited about kind of right away, that hasn't stopped either. But me holding hard and fast to it needing to look a certain way or be reciprocal in the traditional or in the keeping score kind of ways, that part of it really has stopped. And I I have a little bit of a hunch as to why, and I want to share it with you because I think that this um, this is something that that I'm not alone in, <laughs> and that um, that if you have this kind of fall in love deeply personality, um, this this idea can really help you. And one part to this why of why it's uh, it stopped for me is that my worldview has expanded. I don't jump to conclusions like I used to. Like when someone doesn't return my phone call or text or even multiple texts or phone calls, I don't assume a narrative that is not there. I don't fill in a story of them not wanting me or ghosting me or even that it has anything to do with me at all because I've learned that it usually doesn't. It usually doesn't have to do with me. But now hurling us back to the devil's advocate, sometimes it is really a quiet rejection and their soft way of backing up and backing up and out of things. And I think we have to tune into that too, especially if there are breadcrumbs everywhere and you've just been unwilling to pick up the trail that they've left. Another part to the why And the most probable story is that their life is just really full or they are unplugged or their child is sick or they are exhausted and they barely have time for a deep breath and a phone call to you, which may seem like a small thing, but if they have extra time, maybe they just need a porch sit in the sun for a minute. Not enough bandwidth even for things that we cherish, is real. And it might have absolutely nothing to do with you, which is still sometimes hard to digest because you are quite possibly not their medicine, not what they want or need right now. And the gift that I've given myself over the last few years, and it it came gradually and not decisively, was catch and release. It is a powerful antidote for these times where we're all very, very, very full. So think of like a breathtaking painting or even a pencil sketch that we see and swoon over. Can we learn to soak in its wonder and its essence for that moment in the gallery or in the art show, without the need to possess it, without the need to hang it on our wall as a trophy. I aim to love fully, to reach out with all of my ability and all of my capacity, and to release the outcome of the form that it returns to me. I aim to release the details of where it goes and what the paper trail looks like. It's hard. 
And it's not just with people either. I fall in love with ideas. I fall in love with plans, with dreamscapes. And I have learned that what helps is to catch and release those two. Because holding on too tightly to those stories chokes them. And it keeps them small and not breathable. And of course, things need to be breathable in order to grow. I will give you an example of something that I fell in love with that needed to change form. And you guys listening, you, you listeners that listen every week are a part of this story. I thought one year ago, I was ready to send a lot of my written stories and material and try to get published into a collection or a book. I was hell-bent. Book, 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 book. That's, that was the track. That was the narrative. And at the time, I was very pregnant with both Coretta Bear and I was pregnant with a book of these stories that I needed to tell. And I saw it. I saw the hardback cover on the table. I, I was visualizing it. I knew that this was what needed to happen. And then just like in the middle of the week on a Thursday, Alex called me. And she told me she thought I should start this podcast and tell stories about things that will help. And I knew while she was talking, I saw it happening. I saw it breaking apart in my, in my dream life. I knew that I would have to, to tear the book apart some and that some of the stories I had written about might sneak their way into the weekly podcast. I knew that that that, that was about to change form and I felt my dream changing form because I was letting it breathe and live out its rightful path. And now I'm almost a year in to this podcast. I still see a book, but I think it will have a slightly different life than the one that I thought. And it may be much more down the road. And people can be the same way. The way they are meant to inhabit your life in ways that you that you don't always get to dictate. Of course, you have your boundaries and your love and your willingness and your input, but but we are in collaboration with who and what we fall in love with. We are in collaboration with them or the project or the stars or the powers that be. And if you can train yourself to catch and release, then you get to plug into the audacity of the bigness of each thing and what it really could be, which of course is often quite different than your tiny little boxed-in story. The things and people and ideas I have tried to clamp down on, it never works anyway. People don't start snuggling in closer to you when you fuss at them for not calling you back or, or you fuss at them for not loving you more. They tend to shy away. They are so often doing their best and your pressure doesn't make anyone want to come closer. I mean, gosh, I really, I really did learn this the hard way. A few, a few years ago, I fell in love with a girl at a party she was soulful and vibrant. She was a really confident mother of four. 
And I was sort of a new wobbly mother of one and kind of watching other women um, to, to know how to mother. And she was so engaging and smart. And we talked and we talked and we talked at the party. And I watched her effortlessly mother her four kids while we connected at the same time. And we made a date. And she seemed just as excited as, as I was. And we met at a park with her little girl and my little boy, who are about the same age. And I'm going to tell you, it was, it was awkward. The party, the party had felt different. <laughs> and when we got to the park, it was not the same. Otis was at a hard age. And I was feeling overwhelmed and not very equipped as a mother. And I was kind of sweating to keep him from running in the opposite direction and still try to connect with her at the same time. I was sad and struggling and overwhelmed. And my story at the time was that I was really desperately hoping for a mom friend. I was trying really hard, maybe too hard, because our kids were the same age and because I wanted it to be something that it wasn't. And she pulled back. She took a sharp U-turn. And I, I knew something had changed. I intuited that. And the connection, it wasn't really what, what we had hoped. And I felt so bad and ashamed and disappointed because I had a whole narrative about how we were going to be soul sisters from that party point forward. And I texted her a couple more times, but she was pretty cold and unresponsive, so I stopped. I still don't really know what happened, and that's okay. And that was a few years ago. In that case, it really may may have been me. It may have been a rejection of me or not. It could have been something else she was, she was up to in her life. And I'm not sure that I'll ever know, but my catch and release was not in place or very practiced at that point. Now, a few years later, I feel so grateful for that party and that after crash, because the teaching was sometimes things get to be glorious only for the lifespan of a party. And I'm softer and more receptive about that now. And when you fall hard and fast like I do for people and for things, you have to expect some of those shooting stars and catch the beauty of the fall. Complete blindsides that sometimes show up in our path, like job loss or death of a close human or cancer diagnosis, a pandemic, divorce, trauma, assault. These things can level you. They do level you and absolutely shut down the road that you thought you were on. And it can be so jarring, but it also can be the beginning of catching something that you didn't expect, like a podcast, like a beloved, like living in a new city entirely, like a whole new life even. Because if the catch doesn't want to be caught and you don't release it, it's going to wriggle away anyway like a slippery fish. And you're just going to get your hand sliced up from the battle of it. And I really do wish I had learned this in my 20s and my 30s. I really do. I was a slow, slow learner. 
which is why my text and my friend the other day did sort of startle me and make me feel good about the state of my heart these days. I think we are all cycling through something. And, and sometimes we want to dig in and be caught. And sometimes we want to just skim the surface like those, those little insects on top of the water, very clean and fast. I can already see that Otis is going to be a really big-hearted lover like me. And I have a feeling he's going to hurl his heart at anybody who will have him. And I can already tell he's going to love hard and often. And like me, he is going to have some serious heartbreaks. And my instinct is to protect him and to help him tamp it down. But I think there's a way to keep our love amplified and the expectation of the return or the way it's packaged not so controlled. And I've considered this about myself. Is it that I care less now? Is it that I'm, I'm somewhat numb in my quest for connection and for certain dreams to come true? And I don't really think that's it. Instead, I tie it around the pole of whatever sticks to me is mine, and what doesn't stick to me was never mine to begin with. And things and people really do need the ability to change form. Years ago, I used to teach a pink yoga class that was designed for women who had breast cancer. And it became a really special little community of women that I just adored, and we would meet every Saturday for yoga. And I loved these women, and they loved each other. And many of them were deep in the middle of difficult diagnoses. And there was lots of tears mixed with joy in these classes. And, And they developed some really strong friendships from those Saturdays. And a few years after I stopped teaching the weekly pink yoga classes, I ran into my friend Nancy And Nancy would come to the class even though she didn't have cancer. She liked to come as a support person. And I just love Nancy. And when I ran into her, I said, you and one of the girls, one of the pink yoga girls, should team up and come to a regular Saturday yoga class that I teach sometimes, and maybe we could have lunch. I would love to catch up with you girls. And a week or so later, she asked one of them and then reported back to me that They felt like the pink yoga time period in their life was helpful, but they didn't want to be reminded of the cancer. And therefore, they didn't really want to come take yoga from me. That it was a really tough reminder. And my first reaction was was hurt. I was hurt and sad that I couldn't be safe harbor or neutral harbor even. But... We, we have to know that we can't always be neutral or safe for people when we've been part of a time period for them that represents sadness or something they're trying to forget. I was thinking about allowing things to change form and how useful that is and not holding so tight to what we think they ought to be. And it made me think about Granny and Papa, my dad's parents, who... Um, who lived in Mobile, and what they did during Hurricane Frederick so many years ago, it was 1979, and I was very tiny. I was very little. 
And we, we had lots of kinfolk in Mobile and the surrounding areas in southern Alabama at the time. And Papa was very stubborn. He was a very stubborn man. And they um, were evacuating the whole lower half of the state, like mandatory evacuation. And Hurricane Frederick was supposed to hit landfall right, right where they lived in Mobile or Chickasaw, right outside Mobile. And Papa was not interested in budging. He had built the house with his own hands, and he was not leaving it. And Granny, who was probably scared, but she was very quiet, and she stood very still next to Papa. And everybody begged them to go, and they stayed. And after it was over, Frederick had wiped out much of the area, and there was pretty intense destruction everywhere. And Granny and Papa talked about it later. I mean, I heard them talk about it for years after that, about how incredibly scary it was. And Papa said he would never stay again during a hurricane. And he said that they were both afraid for their lives during the height of the storm, that it was incredibly loud. Their roof was almost gone, but the house, the frame of the house had made it through. And I thought about them in that house this week and how sometimes things want to change form even when we don't want them to. We hold on so tightly to the way things are because it's the only way that we can see our lives progressing forward. Because a new form is scary because it's unknown. And the demise of something is frightening, but it also And here's the hope part. It also holds the seed of something we don't even know about yet. And that that tiny bridge of trust to follow a new path that has not even been forged yet can be a remarkable thing. I'm so glad that they were spared. To lose a house that Papa built would have been hard, of course, but to lose Papa and Granny because of stubborn unwillingness to listen and change form would have been unforgivable. I was listening to a speech that Oprah was giving Harvard University graduates, and I loved, loved what she said. She was talking about how she had done over 35,000 interviews in her career, and that after the cameras were off, every single person asked some version of this question. Was that okay? She said it was true with Barack Obama, with George Bush, even with Beyonce and all of her unbelievable confidence. They essentially all said, was that okay? I think it's the hardest thing about letting, about letting things go and letting the release happen and allowing people to fall away if they are on track to do that. Because we question, was it something I did? Was I not okay? Did you not like what I did or said? All people, even the ones around us that seem like giants, we all want other people to think that we did okay. We want other people to want us in the circle with them. And we want people to get us, to get who we are. But if we find 
that seed of affirmation inside of ourselves and not take things quite as personally and allow for things to change for them as they want to do, we truly allow for uninhibited flow and grace and for love to appear on its own without restriction. And that, that is the staggering light of catch and release. The plan is already in motion. You are just allowing growth and redirection and limitless form. You are widening the lens. And like I talked about in the Beauty Marks episode, sometimes things are meant to be in our lives only for a flash, only for a party. I wish I had worked through some of this a little earlier, but teachings only come when we're ready to hear them. So what I think helps is a light touch, an awareness where we are not pressing down too hard on something or someone. Allow it to breathe and change form under your fingertips and recognize that all things have a life of their own. And we can tend to them, we can shape things, but lightly and with some finesse and and much, much listening. And I do believe what belongs to us will come back in our catch, and what doesn't will swim away. Our practice is to release what is changing form and to notice what is coming into view, to look out and up instead of down at our shoes and our small agenda. There is something new just in, isn't there? Put your eyes on that fresh land. It wants your focus, your breath, and your time. The rest will become food for something else. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of this growing and very special community I love when you write to me. I love hearing about how these stories have anchored in your stories and have um, taken hold for you personally. That's one of my favorite things to do is open up my email and receive messages from you about how things that will help podcast has has changed your week um, or changed your family. It's so meaningful. Uh, So please keep doing that. Stay in touch with me. Enjoy all the playlists that come each week that Matt makes to coincide with each one of these episodes. Those are always posted on the show notes. And um, if you would like to become a patron of this podcast, I would love that. The information is also on the show notes to do that. It's a minimum ask of $5 a month and you get a bonus episode every week. That is a practice episode um, and a physical embodiment of the teachings and the stories. So enjoy that. Um, Have a beautiful day. Take good care of yourself and each other. Thanks so much.